Hello everyone. Oh, there's a lot in that, isn't there? Alrighty. Um, I'm Toby, for those of you who don't know my name. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot in it, but this morning I'm going to be kind of mainly focusing on the first eight verses. Um, and then after that, I'll just kind of, I'm actually just going to read through the prayer that, that Paul prays. And, um, and then talk a little bit about the end of it. And then, yeah, like Drew said, Ro will then come up and pray a similar prayer for us, um, which would be great. So I'm going to pray because prayer's good. And then we'll get stuck in. Yeah, Father, thank you for, um, yeah, for your grace, Lord, that we are able to come here this morning and look at your word and look at who you are father thank you that you have given us ears to hear and um yeah i pray that you uh, help us to take in what you're going to teach us father i pray that your spirit will work through me i need your help to do this in jesus name amen um so i'm from england obviously and um I always speak to my, well, I don't always, I often speak to my family back home. Like my mum FaceTimed the other day, like five minutes before going to work and just like chatted, just caught up. And um, so I don't really speak to my dad, but I speak to my mum and that's lovely. And um, yeah, it's just so easy. And like I see what they're doing on Instagram, like social media, I can see what when they go on holidays and stuff and they're missing out and I can and I speak to my friend back home and he like keeps me update with the church that we were a part of and an elder of the church we were a part of emailed us just like giving us updates and just saying like oh um like give us updates of what's going on that's typing by the way um of what's going on in your life and um and stuff and so we emailed back but it's just so easy just to keep in contact with the other side of the world like it's super easy Um, But Paul here, who wrote this letter, has never been to this this church that he's writing to. Um, He's never Skyped in, he's never listened to a sermon of theirs, and he is 2,000 kilometres away. He's in prison in Rome, 2,000 kilometres away. But he knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in this church, and he loves these guys, and... um, and he knows that there's false teaching going on. And that's part of the reason that Paul's writing this. He knows that there's false teaching this place at this time. And so he wants to write into that. And he addresses it a lot later on, but he wants to write into it. And, and, and what, what he does is he, he knows that if he reminds them of the hope that they have, verse five of this says, the faith and, faith and love spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. He knows that if he reminds them of the hope that they have, faith and love will spring from that. And so he, through this letter, reminds them of the hope that they have because they need strong faith and they need love for God and and love for each other to get through this time of false teaching. So that's kind of a bit of background And um, verse 1 and 2 kind of tell us who's writing it. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, who he's with, Timothy, our brother, and who he's writing to, to God's people, to God's holy people in Colossae and the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. So this letter is going to go to other places, but he's specifically writing to the Colossians. 
Cool. So, what I'm going to do with these first eight verses is just talk on four things. Four things. So, four things that Paul hears of about these Colossians. So, the first is faith. The second is love. Third is hope. And the fourth is bearing fruit. So, faith, love, hope, and bearing fruit. So Paul hears of their faith. I'll I'll read verse 3 and 4. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is 2,000 kilometers away in prison, and he's heard of these guys' faith. And faith is is their, their belief that, um, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, uh, talked about in the Old Testament, and um, the one that came and lived and, and died and rose again. Their faith is that. And Paul has heard of this. Paul has heard of their faith. And the faith, faith is at the core of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, right? Like uh, Dave preached on a sermon a couple of weeks ago, uh, preach on Mark 2, the beginning part of Mark 2. Um, it's called Our Greatest Need. It's up online. Listen to it. Dave didn't tell me to say that. Um, they, but the, the guy, there's, a, there's a paralyzed guy and um, his friends go to extreme efforts to get to Jesus. There's crowds around Jesus and, and they, they go up onto the roof of the building that Jesus is in, dig a hole and lower this this paralytic guy down to, down to Jesus. And Jesus, it says that Jesus sees that he saw their faith. He saw their faith. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And in Ephesians 2.8 says, by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. <clears throat> it's not your own doing, but the gift of God. Like, it's just faith is at the core of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And like I, I often think like, man, is my faith heard of 10 kilometers away? Like are people who live around me locally seeing my faith? Like that's a, are people living locally seeing our faith? I, someone who I worked with said something the other day I can't remember what they said, but then in my head I was like, oh man, do they, do they know that I'm a Christian? Do they know that I'm a follower of Jesus? Like, because of what they just said, like, I was like, oh man, like this, I want these guys to, to know this. I want them to know it through the way that I live. Um, I want them to see the faith that I have and, um, or, or hear of the faith that I have. Um, and that's, yeah. That's what this is saying. Paul, Paul is saying, we've heard of this faith. That's, that's, how, that's how much these Colossians have of faith. Like, oh, I've heard of it 2,000 kilometers away. And the second thing that Paul says that he's heard of is their love. Again, 2,000 kilometers away in prison, Paul hears of their love. Verse 4, because we've heard of the faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people. Now, what's love? Love's a confusing one, right? 
we could do a million talks on what love is. Um, but we, I feel like we often kind of get the word love mixed up. Like someone says, I oh, do you want to do the dishes? And then someone says, yeah, I'd love to. Like, that's a lie. Nobody loves to do the dishes. But um, the word love kind of just gets skewed. But C.S. Lewis says it like this. And he knows everything. He says, love is not affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. Love is not affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. It's not selfish, it's not rude, it doesn't insist on its own way. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Like, Go to there if you want to know what love is and read the Gospels as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. There's a, there's, a, there's a pastor back home in England who lived in my local town and I was walking to work one day. I was running a little bit late. It was like a three-minute walk, but I was running late. Um, don't judge. And I was like halfway there and the part, there was a, I saw this pastor, Jonathan Smith, his name is, and he, he was just like moping around. He's usually like a really happy guy. And he was just like, um, and I was like, oh, hey, man, how you going? Kind of thing. I was like, I'm running late for work. Got to go quickly. And he was like, yeah, not too good. I'm not doing too good. And I was like, oh, now I've got to stop. And so I stopped and I was like oh, running through my head. I was like, oh, man, like his cat's probably died or his dog's sick or like his children aren't doing good at school or something. Like, what's going on? Like, so I stopped and I was like, oh, like what's up kind of thing and he it, what he said kind of blew me away he was like he was like oh there's there's just a bunch of people in, in my church that aren't doing too good like one was sick and I think one wasn't like turning up and he was just like you could see that he was hurt by that he had like Paul says here that he's heard of the love that these guys have for all of God's people and I saw that in in this Jonathan Smith, the pastor, he had this love for God's people and it, it blew me away and I was like, man, that's awesome. Um, and then I ran to work. Um, but yeah, it was, that was really cool. Just a really cool picture of what it is to, to, to love God's people. Um, and Jonathan 15, John, John 15, 13 says this. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Love requires sacrifice. And I think we're often scared to love because we know that it requires effort and it requires sacrifice. Like, I feel like sometimes we're, we, we're scared to, or not scared, but we just don't fully put the effort in to even love our spouse or our kids sometimes because it requires sacrifice. And if we can't do that, how are we meant to love others, right? If we're not loving those who are closest to us, how are we meant to love others as well? Another quote by C.S. Lewis says this. This one's a bit longer. But it says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. 
wrap it up carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries and avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, in that casket safe, dark, motionless, airless, it'll change. It won't become broken. It'll become unbreakable. It'll become impenetrable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. And the third thing that Paul says that he hears of is the Colossians' hope. I'll just read verse 4 and 5. Because we have heard of the faith in Christ Jesus, heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all of God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. He says that this love and this faith that the Colossians have, that he's heard of 2,000 kilometers away, spring up from the hope that they have. It doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from the hope that they have. Now, what is hope? John Piper said that biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope is a confident expectation and a desire For something good in the future. Now if faith and love come from hope. It kind of begs the question. Where does hope come from right? And Paul says in this. In verse verse 5. The faith and love spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And about which you already heard in the true message of the gospel. It comes from the true message of the gospel. Pretty simple, right? And this this hope is so real for them. It's changed their lives. It's changed their life. The hope is so real that that faith and love are springing out of it, are flowing from it. It's dramatically changed their lives. Paul Paul could have written this. He could have written, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard that you have hope, but it hasn't really changed you. Or because we've heard that you have hope, but that you still seem to be living comfortable, comfortable lives and kind of relying on your own thing. But he doesn't say that. He says, we've heard of the faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for God's people. And that faith and that love is springing from the hope that you have that's come from the gospel, come from the good news of Jesus. Do you, do you have this hope? Do you have this hope that has changed your life? Like, do you have a hope that from it is springing faith and love? Like, I don't know. If, if, if you're saying no in your, in your heart or in your mind, then, then verse 5 says it comes from the word of truth, the gospel. It comes from the gospel. We need to know Jesus. We need to know everything that he's done from, for us because it, the hope comes from that comes from reading the word of truth, knowing the word of truth. Annie and I have been watching a, um, a program on Netflix. It's pretty lame, but I don't like starting things and then not finishing them, so we have to watch all 10 episodes. Um, and on one of the last episodes, 
one woman was saying, she was like, she was like, if I just hope, she really wanted something. She was like, if I just hope for it hard enough, I might get it. Like, if I just really, really hope for it, I might get it. And then, later on, she didn't get it. She didn't get this thing that she'd hoped for. And it broke her. It broke her down. She was brokenhearted. She was, she was a mess. But it's because the hope that she had was resting on thin air. It was resting on nothing. She was just like, I just hope for it because I want it. Like, that's, that's kind of all that was there. And from it, from it sprung disappointment and pain. But Paul is saying that this hope that's founded on the gospel, that has the foundation of the word of truth, the gospel, won't let us down and from it will spring faith and love. Does anybody know the, um, in 1 Corinthians 13, the three things that remain forever? Faith, hope and love. The three things that remain forever of faith, hope, and love. And this brings us on to the fourth point. The fourth thing that Paul hears of is bearing fruit. Bearing fruit is being fruitful in the mission um, that God has called us to. Right? Being fruitful in the commission. Being fruitful in making disciples of all nations. That's what bearing fruit is. And it kind of, if you hear how these guys are living, um, living a life based off this hope, it's kind of like, how could they not bear fruit? Like, people are going to be seeing this. People are going to, like, if people, if Paul, 2,000 kilometers away in prison, has heard of their faith and love and hope, of course people locally have heard of it and see it, right? Of course they experience it. Verse 6 and 7, I'm going to read. Actually, um, I'll read the end of verse 5 and verse 6 and 7. So it says, The hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. The word learned here, the word on, in verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras. The word learned is really closely related to the word disciple in the Greek. Like Epaphras discipled them. And, it, and we can see that because... Because he knew the Colossians. Verse 8 says that um, Epaphras went and told us of your love in the Spirit. Epaphras is the one that went and told Paul 2,000 kilometers away in prison that um, all of this stuff about the Colossians. So it's clear that Epaphras knew the Colossians. And he loved them. He fully loved them. And he shared his hope with them. And he did life with them. Paul says that he's their fellow servant. He did life with them. It's discipleship. He discipled them. And in in the in the Greek, there's actually a word missing in the in the NIV, which is a bit 
Um, but in the Greek, there's a word at the beginning of, the, of verse 7. There isn't a full stop after grace. So it says, so kind of, it, and the word is just as. So it's just as. So, so it kind of reads like this. Um, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you. And then it says, just as you learned it from Epaphras. So like, just as Epaphras discipled you, the way that you learned the gospel, the way that you heard the word of truth, the way that he lived with you and told you the hope and got to know you, that way you have also gone out and you are bearing fruit. You are getting to know people. You are living with people. You are sharing your hope and sharing the word of truth. They're bearing fruit the way they were shown. They're disciples who make disciples. That's what we're all about, right? This is the Great Commission. And that only happens if our lives are changed by hope. It only happens if our lives are changed by hope. Because from hope, faith and love flow. And from hope, faith and love, bearing fruit is, is there. You share that with people and... Seems pretty simple, right? To bear fruit. <laughs> but it never really happens that easily. It takes time. Um, sometimes it happens easily. Um, so I'm going to just go on to this second section. I'm just going to read through it. And I might come back to it at, at a, like sometime in the future. But um, I'm just going to read through it and then spend a bit of time on the end and I just want to encourage everyone to actually like go away and read this. Like read this prayer and pray this prayer. As I've been reading this, I've, I've been praying this. Like I've been kind of like, it says, we continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. And I've been praying it like, God, fill me with the knowledge of your will. Or fill Annie with the knowledge of your will. Like you can pray it for yourself. You can pray it for each other. You can pray it for your gospel community and pray it for the church. Um, so, yeah, I really encourage you to do that. But I'm just going to read through it now. So, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. In the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. <laughs> Giving joyful thanks to the father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance. This, this inheritance should 
just be Jesus's, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus was his only son. The only one who was actually worthy of the inheritance that his father has. But it says here that he's qualified us to share in that inheritance. And that's that's because God sent Jesus. He sent Jesus as an infant, as a child, vulnerable. To love is to be vulnerable, right? And he sent Jesus as an infant, as a child, as a baby, into the hands of sinners. So that Jesus would would live this life that nobody could live. This perfect life that nobody would have the chance of ever living. And he he did it. He, He lived this perfect life. And yet he still got beaten, mocked, scorned, whipped, punched, spat on. And he got put on the cross in the most humiliating way. And he lived the... He went through the most horrendous, horrendous death. This is the only person who's ever lived a perfect life, went through the most horrendous death. He lived a life that we couldn't live and died the death that we should have died. So that, so that he could then come back from the dead, that God would raise him from the dead, that death would be defeated. Death usually just has a hold on everyone, right? But, but Jesus came out of the grave. He came out of the grave. Death didn't have a hold on him. And through that, he defeated death. God the Father saw his, his death as a perfect sacrifice, as a sacrifice that is worthy of the sins of everybody. So that we can turn to him and we can say, God, I want this sacrifice to be for my sins. And he'll say, sure. Because that's what, that's what he sent Jesus for. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so from that, God the Father sees us as his sons, as his daughters. And we are able to share in this inheritance, this inheritance that that Jesus went up and he is now at the right hand of the Father. That's the inheritance and we are able to share in that. We will go up and we will be with him as well. This hope is amazing. And flowing from it is faith and love, and it bears fruit. I just want to say, for the, so I'll just finish with this. Jesus, Hebrews, Hebrews says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. For the joy set before him. It was, it was his hope. He had that um, confident expectation and that desire. That's the hope. For the joy set before him, endured the cross. He knew his hope. And from that, from that hope, flowed the faith that God had a plan. And flowed the love 
the greatest form of love, that he'd lay down his life for his friends. Faith and love spring from hope. And we get hope from the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That's good news.